0: Today's topic is about resilience. This is a topic we want to talk about because we were really inspired by the story of one of our students who is here at the moment on instructor training, a month course. He is the CEO of Sticker Giant Company. It's a printing company from Colorado and his name is John Fisher, so he will be our guest today. Uh, Welcome, John. Uh, Thank you for having me on, Ivor. No problem. So we will start with questions and uh, Chris will be the one managing the conversation. So let's go.
1: So indeed, the first question I have, as always, when we have uh, our students, we are always curious because you may have noticed yourself, we all have different ways to come into plant-based cuisine or plant-based lifestyle. So my first question for John would be, how did you become plant-based and what was the trigger for your interest for plant-based cuisine?
2: Well, at the, at the time that, that triggered it was uh, I was going under a I, – I was, I was seeking to lose weight, and okay. I, I was doing a traditional low-carbohydrate diet and working out, and um, one day my daughter, who is a triathlete in the United States, Izzy Fisher, she – called me and asked me if I wanted to go to a plant-based cooking retreat with, um, her health coach, Ray and Julianne in Thailand. And I love Thailand. And I said, sure, I'd love to do that. So a little, uh, over a year ago, I was here, um, at Blue Lotus for a one week class with my daughter and my wife and, um, uh, Ray and Julianne and, uh, became exposed to a lot of information about plant-based diets and decided that this was for me.
1: So you were not on a plant-based diet before?
2: No, I was not on a plant-based diet before. I ah, actually, know. I, no, I switched excellent. to plant-based just being yeah. here. And after Ray and Julianne's first lecture, yes. um, I'm like, this is it. This is, uh, this is the way I need to go. And um, it fit with my lifestyle. It made me feel better. And um, I saw all the benefits.
1: But how did you organize? Because so after the retreat, when you came back home, how did you manage to become plant-based?
2: It was actually very funny because my wife and I came off of a very long airplane journey. And uh, we had no good fresh food in the house after being gone. So we went to Whole Foods Market in Longmont, which is a, a, a large natural grocery food uh, uh, chain in the United States, very well known. And they had uh, plant-based options in their food bar. So our very first plant-based meals
1: at home, uh, we was were, the fr- Whole food, uh, we're buffet. from the Whole Foods <laughs> Buffet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You went for a smooth transition or you were full in after that retreat?
2: I was full in from the from the, the day after my first day
1: here. Wow. And uh, did, did you had the craving or missing things or? Uh, no, I, I, have, I have been sick a couple of times yeah.
2: and, um, and felt dogs. an urge. And I've had uh, maybe a couple buffalo wings and a couple eggs okay. along the way. But pretty much I'm 100% uh, plant-based all the time unless there's some unusual circumstance like an illness mm-hmm. um, or, or something like that.
1: So after the whole food buffet, yeah. you cooked at home plant-based?
2: Yes, we, we uh, purged our pantry purged our refrigerator um, and started, started cooking <laughs> plant-based. And, uh, is your wife uh, plant-based also? Yeah, is my sand- wife is also plant-based. And at the time, my, my uh, workout partner, was fully supportive and just uh, one important thing she showed me that I didn't learn here in Thailand was when you eat greens how much greens to make like no more more (laughs) greens and so I I learned uh, I learned some things along the way and started absorbing information off off of the internet and uh, some books
1: and so you went overnight and there were things that you were missing during that time? No, not really. Not really. But before you were a vegetarian or a meat eater?
2: No, I was a full on like keto meat eater. I was eating complex, very complex carbs, lots of greens and lean proteins and, and trying to be lose weight in that manner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had lost about half of the weight I needed to lose and um, when I got here and listen started listening to Ray and Julianne and their Monkey Chow. Uh, you know, the whole study about the monkey chow experiment Mm -hmm. and started talking about the inflammatory effects of uh, animal foods and animal products, I was uh, convinced that this was something that I really wanted to do fully and being plant-based is something for me, I I wanted to do, I'm an all-in person, I'm all in, you know, and I, so I wanted to do it and see what the effects would be and uh, both my
1: wife and myself just felt better. So. After one year, because it's almost, it's a year, actually. It's a year, yes. Yeah. It's a cool the, year. the feedback is positive so far.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I love it. And I'm, and I'm um, uh, s- spreading the good flavors and spreading how I feel. And um, whenever somebody is interested, I give them a book. And I give them. I have a PDF of fourteen recipes that I send people in their email, and like start here. <laughs> Here's fourteen recipes you start with. I explain how to use them, and uh, and uh, then point them towards a book.
1: And uh, did you have issue in uh, maintaining your weight? Or? <clears throat> uh,
2: no, I I did not. Um, it's it's actually in, when I first uh, got to Thailand, um, I, it was a little bit difficult for me to. Um, maintain my weight, but I was losing weight at that time. So like this trip, I've now been here three, three and a half, four weeks. Yep. The first couple of weeks I was having trouble maintaining my weight. And now I finally have gotten it balanced out and I'm doing very well and, and feel amazing
1: every day. That first question was actually very interesting for me because I just learned how you became uh, plant-based, which is really fun and interesting. I also became plant-based overnight, so it's always uh, interesting to see uh, similar stories. Now, Ivor mentioned in the introduction that you are a successful entrepreneur, but before we go to that topic, I would like to know what did happen before you created your company.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I was part of the first e-commerce, they call it the dot-com boom, that was uh, started around uh, 1995 and lasted until 2000 when many, many internet startups all crashed within a very short period of time. It was called the dot-com crash. And uh, I was working in an internet advertising agency and had clients and saw them spending um, hundreds and hundreds of dollars to acquire a customer that spent $30 and thought it was Hmm. just crazy. And then I got hired by Whole Foods Market because Whole Foods Market wanted to be a online grocer. And uh, I went and interviewed for the job and pitched them my strategy, which was a strategy that would have been profitable very quickly. But uh, that strategy got lost in the world of private equity and MBAs. They wanted to blow it up huge. And uh, I I worked at the wholefoods.com. It was called uh, wholepeople.com. It was supposed to be a lifestyle hub. And we grew a team um, in in Austin and then moved the whole team to Colorado. Blew the team up uh, to a very large size. And uh, How it, many? it was, I think there were 80 people, uh, oh, around about, 80 yeah, people from, you know, a dozen to 80 people. And it, and it blew up. And uh, we were all out of work um, within a few days oh, wow. of, it, of it ending.
1: So just to, I think this is important. So as you said, Whole food is a grocery, very known in America. They have recently been acquired by Amazon. And uh, at that time, indeed, they wanted to sell online. Uh, So it was a brick and mortar that wanted to become a dot-com, basically. So a transformation from the frog to the ox (laughs) that didn't went that well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And um, I think also what is interesting uh, for us is that in Europe or in Asia, we are not used that when there is something like this, people can be laid off from one day to another. Yes. Especially such a last team without any help. So... At that time, when you lose your work, did you have any compensation of things or? Uh,
2: no, uh, I, I believe we got a couple weeks' severance pay, uh, but that was it. And I was uh, I had some savings in the bank and I had just bought a house and a new car and had three small children and my wife didn't work. And so that was the situation when I got laid
1: off. And that's why the topic of the day is resilience. Because what I'm very interested in now is to see how you did handle that situation mm-hmm. and how it did help you for after.
2: Right. So I learned many valuable lessons and I took them into the business that I started. I wanted to start a business and, and of course I was a little bit um, upset about the situation and thought I could build a business on my own in my basement. and. Mm-hmm. It took, it took a little while. I had some consulting clients that I helped, etc. but eventually I started stickergiant.com, which was at the time the Amazon of stickers. You could buy pre-printed stickers covering any sort of topic or idea or subject. It was pretty fun. And I learned all the opposite. I took all of the, all of the things that were terrible about online grocery. So stickers, they don't spoil, they last forever. <laughs> yes. Two, They are affinity-based. That was a good thing about Whole Foods, meaning uh, they're affinity-based. If somebody is a Dallas Cowboys fan, they believe deeply that they really want a Dallas Cowboys sticker. Or if they're a Grateful Dead fan, they really want a Grateful Dead fan. The other great thing about stickers was they didn't spoil, and they were very, very cheap to ship. I could ship them in a U.S. mail envelope. The other thing that was great is I could store thousands and thousands of different items in file folders in my basement. I could offer thousands of SKUs, stock keeping units is what that stands for, in my basement in a very small amount of space as opposed to grocery. Um, it, was, it was beautiful.
1: So, sorry to interrupt, but there is something very interesting. So, there is the dot-com crash. Yeah. You get laid off by a dot-com company, yeah. but you start one. Yes,
2: because the internet wasn't going away. Um, it, the other thing that I did is rather than hiring developers, uh, spending all my savings to try and develop a website is, even then, in the in the late 90s, there was online software that you could build your own cart. And so I learned how to do this. Um, I had a friend helping me at the time. So I used Miva Merchant to build my first online store. And I believe I launched with 600 different sticker designs.
1: Okay, you... You did your own website, Yes, your own uh, e-commerce platform.
2: On an e-commerce platform that I purchased. It was a monthly payment um, yeah. and uh, they had support. And uh, I figured it out myself by learning very basic HTML and yeah. following tutorials and watching videos.
1: Which today it became way easier. And for example, for Blue Lotus, we use one platform, which is Squarespace, that makes that work very easy. And even for us, indeed, it doesn't necessarily make sense if you are not into that business to develop your own website, but just to reuse on a platform, an existing uh, application. Yeah. So even though I'm still uh, very surprised, so your business is fully online still today?
2: Yes, my business is fully online. We acquire all of our customers on the Internet. We've evolved from being the Amazon of pre-bought stickers to now we are a printing company. We basically are a packaging company that prints labels for products and we print some promotional stickers for advertising.
1: Now what I want to better understand, and I think it's very interesting that you went from, um, again, a crash in the dot com to create your own company in that same sector. But I guess you wanted to do things differently that they were uh, that their strategy was at that time. So I'm very interested to know how in today's in your way of managing your company and the way you did set up your company, what are the things that have come from that experience?
2: Yes. So today I run my company to be what is most important to, to us at Sticker Giant is that the company is here in 50 years. We are not uh, doing the, the sort of uh, private equity, expand as quickly as we can and, and spend on a, on a bet. So um, there are a couple of ways that companies fail. They, um, one, in, one way is they hire too many people and their payroll gets too big. Um, so at Sticker Giant, we have a, a cardinal rule mm-hmm. and we keep our, our labor and benefits at 20% or lower for the average of the year.
1: Oh. So just to transfer into the food industry in a re- restaurants, your HR would be around 30%. Yeah. So 20 is very low, actually.
2: Yes. For manufacturing companies mm-hmm. that are growing as quickly as we are, and we're growing at 30% every year repeatedly which of course gets harder every year, um, companies spend too much money. They get ahead of themselves on debt. So at Sticker Giant, uh, we keep our total actual dollar amount of debt under half of our annual earnings over a three-year average. Uh, so we do not get ourselves into a situation where we have made a big bet on a buying too much and we cannot pay the bills if it doesn't turn out. Yeah.
1: And you have an external investor?
2: No, I own 90% of the business, and I have a 10% um, external investor who, and who is... He has 10% because he's an advisor, and actually a mentor. And without this person, uh, Bill Flagg, mm-hmm. you can find him in um, business magazines in the United States. He... Uh, Sticker Giant would not be as successful as it is today.
1: So, but it means that... All the growth that you are mentioning, you have to finance it yourself. The company has to finance it.
2: Yes, we do this really unique thing, uh, which is we use our customers to fund our growth, which is the way business used to always be before um, uh, bankers and, and complex financial instruments and leveraged capital and private equity. All of these things are just put businesses at risk. So I'm growing my business like a mom and pop bodega. If I if I okay, <laughs> a I good invest restaurant. the restaurant. <laughs> yes.
1: So just for me to understand how it works, if we just imagine when your client they pay you, they pay before getting their sticker or their package, or they pay after?
2: Traditionally in the history of <laughs> sticker giant, we've always received credit card payment before we start manufacturing. After all, it's custom manufacturing, so they're buying something that is unique now. And so we get paid via credit card ahead of time. But now, as we've gotten larger, we do have a few clients that are getting on receivables, just because we are becoming very large and have institutional clients like the University of Colorado in Boulder, they don't have a credit card to give us, but we'd like to do their work. But we know they're gonna pay.
1: And so for the usual clients, when they order something and they pay in what is the delay for them for you to do it and then for them to receive it
2: So if it's a normal order and not unusually large if you approve your proof which is a proof of what your stickle or your label will look like and you pay your bill by noon actually I think the deadline is two o'clock uh, mountain standard time if you do that by two o'clock mountain standard time it will ship the next day
0: Wow, wow. that's best.
2: Well, it's the internet. Everybody wants everything fast. So we are fast, fun, (laughs) and uh, those are two of our uniques.
1: So that's the the side for the the client and how you manage uh, uh, at a high level the company, but also in the management of your team. Is there a lesson that you learned from your previous experience?
2: Yes, you need to treat your employees with dignity and you need to find a way for the employees to collaborate and do the work themselves. Um, We we practice um, a version of anarchy, which is um, we don't uh, we try to stay away from a top down authority and and teach the employees through providing them with good training and good tools to solve the problems themselves. So it's bottom up system. Yeah, and we do this through a system, um, an open financial management system called Open Book Finance.
1: Okay, so here, at least me, but I think Ivo is about the same and most of our listeners will be in the same situation. What is open book management?
2: So open book management operates under three rules. The first rule is know and teach the rules. Every employee, whether you're in charge of everything or you're a brand new employee just started, Mm -hmm. you need to know what the measures of business success are because you need to know if you're on a winning team and if things are going well. And they need to understand how those measures of success work and where they come from. The other thing that is really important in open book management is to know uh, is to follow the action and keep score. So at Sticker Giant, every week we have an all-company huddle at the same time every week where the employees review what happened the week before, whether we met plan, and that means are we winning. Um, and if not, what we're going to do differently to meet plan that week. So they learn how to run a business every week in our weekly huddle. And then the other really important thing is if you're going to ask employees to play the game, they should get a stake in the outcome. So in addition to the employee's regular salaries, Sticker Giant accumulates excess- products that exceed what the owner's, expected to get that period and when the employees exceed the profits that were expected by the shareholders the shareholders share 30 percent of those profits equally with all of the employees so for example um last year every employee in the company got a bonus of over five thousand dollars each um over the course of four quarters
1: it's a lot so just uh, what you mean is that you have First, as, as I can understand, a transparency on the numbers. That's right. And for this, for them to be able to understand the numbers and to you give a training so they know what are the numbers for. That's right. And the last uh, thing, there is an incentive if you meet the budget. That's right. But you are setting the goals.
2: The goals are set um, by the... Shareholders of the company, we follow the rule of 50, which is every year we need to grow by at least 25% and we need to provide at least 25% profit back to the shareholders. So we keep the number around 60 uh, just to be
1: safe. And how old is your company? We've been in business 20 years. And for 20 years you have maintained that?
2: No, we started Open Book Management, uh, I believe, about 10 years ago.
1: Okay, but for the past 10 years, you have such a growth.
2: Yes, (laughs) that's insane. (laughs) Yeah, we are one of the largest privately held printing companies now.
1: How many employees do you have right now?
2: I've been gone a while, but I think we're (laughs) around 80 employees, 82 employees.
1: Almost the team that you had at Old Food actually. uh, That's right.
2: Except we're making money.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and so everybody uh, has a training, so knows how it works.
2: Yes, and the training actually takes place in the huddle. So each line owner, so the 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 different measures of success get presented by individual employees that have something to do with that number. And when there's new employees in the room, that person gets up in front of the room and re-explains what they're what they're showing. Um, the labor line, the sales line, the return shipment uh, line, all of these we call lines, mm-hmm. and they we teach them in the huddle.
1: Today still your e-commerce solution, mm-hmm. you develop in-house. Now
2: we have a complex solution that we, d- we develop in-house. We have our own in-house development team and an external development team that work together keeping our promises to our customers and keeping our promises to our employees by having a, a, a very good experience.
1: Okay, so this is because this is the core of your business. That's right. So the team for the development, how many people?
2: I believe we have a five-person IT team and probably about five people working outside of the company as contractors.
1: And uh, how did you see the, the the evolution of the past 10 years uh, regarding your approach of the company when you have such a growth it's hard to cope with. Even uh, That's right.
2: So um, even though the company has always been run collaboratively still many of the decisions came from me. And so I um, About five years ago, I found a book called Traction by an author named Gino Wickman. And this is a book that describes an operating system for fast-growing companies called EOS. And this is how to run a business. Sort of think of it as the parliamentary rules for fast-growing businesses simplified.
1: And this you did implement today?
2: Yes, this is how we run our company, is using Traction. Traction. And my role is defined by another book by the same author that goes with this book called Mm -hmm. Rocket Fuel, which says that I'm a visionary. I should not be in the Mm day-to-day. I should have a chief operating officer, Beth Smith, who does all of the day-to-day and and keeps the team cohesive and doing meaningful work in a collaborative fashion.
1: Because I will act as a witness here. John Fisher has been with us for three weeks now, full-time, and we don't see him working for his company. So maybe outside of the hours, but most of the day at the moment, you are not at your office at all. That's true.
0: I just want to say uh, thank you to John. This was a really interesting conversation and uh, we hope we'll hear from you more and we will talk to you more and we will see you again. Uh, Also, I want to mention that the whole bio about John will be on our Instagram, so you can check out our post and uh, check out our stories where we will publish more about John and his uh,
1: journey. And now you know that if you want to make stickers, you know where to go find them. (laughs) Yes, that's right. So thank you, John. Thank Thank you. you Thank you for having me.